This may be a shock to you, but I haven't always wanted to be a pastor. There was a time in my life that I actually wanted to do something quite different. See, when I was a preteen, I wanted to be a professional snowboarder. Now, I grew up in Florida, and if there's two things that Florida doesn't have, it's snow and mountains. So the reason that I wanted to be a pro snowboarder was actually because of a video game that I used to play. Now, my preteen mind couldn't always comprehend this, but video games don't always represent reality all that well. In this game, you could do quadruple backflip 360s. You could grind down the side of buildings. You could even detach your boots from your board midair and shred down the side of a mountain while doing a handstand. And I saw all of that. And I thought, you can actually do that as a snowboarder? And so I made it my life's mission to become a professional snowboarder. When I was 15 years old, my family took a trip to Vancouver and I was so excited to snowboard for the first time. We went up to the top of Grouse Mountain. We rented a board, some boots, goggles, and all the essentials. And I got on my board and I immediately wiped out. And that was basically my experience the whole day. I couldn't stand on that board for more than 15 seconds without crashing to the ground. We were up on that mountain for the entire day and I couldn't successfully snowboard even once. I was so embarrassed, I was so heartbroken. My dream and mission of becoming a pro snowboarder had just crumbled before my very eyes. And you might be thinking, Nathan, well, how come you never tried again, right? It takes time to get good at something. And you're right, except that I realized something very important that day. I realized how much I hate the snow and the cold. So yeah. Snowboarding is just not for me. Have you ever had a dream that came crashing down? Have you ever questioned your direction in life? Have you ever wondered if the direction that you're heading in life is the right one? Or maybe you don't even have a direction in life at all. What does God want me to do with my life? That's a big question that all of us are going to ask. And I've worked with teenagers a lot. And this is the number one question that each of them are dealing with right now. It can feel overwhelming. It can feel like everyone has their life figured out except for you. And maybe you feel guilty because you, you feel like you should know, but you're left clueless. I mean, there's so many options out there. You got analysis, paralysis. Why can't God just tell us what to do? Why can't he just reveal his calling to me? I mean, we look in the Bible and we see all of these examples of God clearly giving direction to people, like God commanding Noah to build an ark to avoid the flood, or, or God telling Abraham to leave his country and go to where he directed him, or God speaking to Moses through the burning bush. I mean, why can't God do that with us? Why can't God make his will obvious? I mean, why can't I have a burning bush moment? And he can clearly tell me, Nathan, go and be a pastor. I mean, it would make things so much easier. Well, today I actually want to focus on that burning bush moment. And I want to focus on the man surrounding that event, Moses. Now, maybe you don't attend church much and you're not sure who I'm talking about. Moses is probably the most famous person in the Bible just behind Jesus. He has an incredible story that you can read about in the book of Exodus all the way through to the book of Deuteronomy, which is in the Old Testament. Now, Moses was used by God in an incredible way. He was directed by God to lead the Israelites, God's chosen people, out of slavery in Egypt and into the promised land. And there were some pretty epic moments in Moses' life too. God sent 10 plagues upon Egypt to judge Egypt and the Pharaoh for not allowing the Israelites to go free. And then when the Israelites had escaped and the Egyptians were hot on their tail, God split the Red Sea in half so that the Israelites could walk across on dry land. And that's just the beginning of Moses' story. There's so much more that he did. So, how did Moses discover his calling that God placed on his life? Well, obviously, 
through a miraculous burning bush, of course. I mean, how else were you expecting? And I'm not joking. God appeared to Moses in the form of a bush that was on fire. And he spoke to Moses through it. God straight up told Moses with his booming voice, go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Some of us listen to that and we're thinking, I wish it was that easy. I wish that God would just appear to me. It doesn't even have to be a burning bush. Just tell me my calling on my life. It seems like Moses knew from the very beginning of his story the direction that he was supposed to go in life. And actually, that couldn't be further from the truth. How old do you think Moses was when God appeared to him? He was 20, 25, I mean, maybe 30 if we're pushing it. Did you know that Moses was 80 years old when God appeared to him at the burning bush? For 80 years, Moses was going through life completely unaware of the amazing calling that God had on his life. For the majority of his life, Moses was just like you and me, nothing special, nothing extraordinary, just kind of going through the motions. And by the way, maybe your first thought when I introduced this topic today was like, oh, I'm 65 years old. I'm well past this question in my life. I'm sure Moses thought the same thing. Your purpose and calling goes beyond your working years. Everyone has a calling no matter what age. So don't tune me out just yet. So why did God wait so long to use Moses? Well, if you don't know, let's just speed run through some of the key events in Moses's life. Despite the fact that Moses' people, the Israelites, were enslaved in Egypt through a miraculous turn of events, Moses ended up being raised in Pharaoh's own household. Moses grew up in the lap of luxury with the best education, the best opportunities. Meanwhile, he witnesses firsthand the oppression that his own people are facing at the hands of the Egyptians. And one day Moses had enough. It says one day after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his own people were and he watched them at their hard labor. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people. Looking this way and that and seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. So this moment happens when Moses is 40 years old. And when the Pharaoh finds out about this, Moses flees for his life into the wilderness of Midian. And it's there that Moses lived for the next 40 years until at the age of 80, God appeared to him in the burning bush and his life was forever changed. And this leads me to my first point about God's calling on your life. That God cares more about the who than the what. Meaning God cares more about who you're becoming over what he's calling you to do. If there's one thing that was abundantly clear when Moses was 40 and he killed that Egyptian, is that he wasn't ready to do the incredible tasks that God had for him. Moses' temper and his anger were clearly controlling him. He was doing God's mission, but in a way that was destructive. And after that moment, Moses spent 40 years in the land of Midian, which is modern-day Saudi Arabia. And he spent those years shepherding sheep throughout the wilderness. And it took those 40 years to grow Moses into the man that God needed him to be. And you know what's really interesting? When Moses finally did free the Israelites from their slavery, he would have to guide them through the wilderness for another 40 years. So think about it. 40 years of tending sheep in the wilderness 40 years of leading Israel through the wilderness. It's almost like God was preparing Moses for what he would eventually call him to do. So what does this mean for your life? Well, the reality is that you could be doing what God wants you to do, but be totally far from God relationally. And God's not interested in that. And that was Moses at 40. And sure, he could have done the mission God had for him, but he clearly wasn't being led by God in his actions. 
See, we tend to idolize this idea of calling. Like the only way we're ever going to be fulfilled in this life is if we're following a very specific career path. And that's just not true. I, I don't see that in scripture. Sure, God calls people to very specific things all the time. But more than that, God calls people to follow him, to put their hope and trust in him and to obey him. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. That is what all people are called to. Some of us, we want to figure out what God wants us to do, but we don't actually want to do it with God. And here's something I know to be true. God would rather me be installing carpets and following him than being a pastor, doing God's work, but faking it. Moses wasn't who God wanted him to be, so he couldn't do what God wanted him to do. So when you're waiting, don't waste this opportunity. God might not have revealed exactly what he wants you to do, but you do know who he wants you to become. So take this opportunity to grow closer to God, to serve and to love him more, to grow in your knowledge of him instead of chasing after a career path. And you know what the beautiful thing is? The Bible actually says that when we place God at the center and we pursue him above all else, that God provides us with everything else that we need. We don't have to worry about it anymore. Jesus said in Matthew chapter six, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Jesus was speaking directly to people who were stressed out about their needs in life, what they were going to wear, what they were going to eat, what are we going to do? And he says, seek God first. All of these things will be added to you. Seek first the kingdom of God. Some of us are seeking a calling first, a career first, a relationship first. And we've got it backwards. Seek after God, not what he can offer you. Now, some of us are seeking God first, but we still live in the real world and we still have to make a decision about where to go in life. So with all of the opportunities available, we can get analysis paralysis. And you know that feeling. You're scrolling through Netflix trying to find something to watch and there's so many options that you just can't decide which one is best. So you end up just watching nothing and scrolling on your phone instead. There's just so many directions that we could go in life. So how do we know where to go? How do I know if that job opportunity is for me? How do I know if I should get into that program? How do I know if I should date or marry this person? And that brings me to the second point of today, that calling is found at the intersection of possibility, probability, and purpose. What do I mean by that? Let's just start with possibility. There are literally endless possibilities in your life. There are hundreds of job postings, hundreds of schools, hundreds of potential marriage partners that you could choose, but just because something is a possibility doesn't make it a, a probability, right? I might see a job posting for a doctor or carpenter or astronaut. Sure, there are possibilities, but realistically, those aren't options for me because I don't know how to do any of those things. You can immediately start to cross some possibilities off the list just by looking at your skill set, your experience, or where you're at in life. So let's narrow it down to the probabilities. What are directions I could actually go in my life? Now, I might see a job opportunity for a pastor or a youth worker or a professional clown. And I'm good at doing those things, especially the clown. So if I applied for any of those jobs, it's a probability that I could get it, but it doesn't stop there. All I have to do is search Youth Pastor Jobs Vancouver on Google, and I'll see dozens of listings. And sure, there are probabilities, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's where God wants me to go in life. And that brings me to the last one, purpose. See, there are certain options and opportunities that excite me. 
things I can't seem to stop thinking about. No matter how hard I try, there's just this feeling that it's right, that it's where God's calling me to go. In the book of Acts, the early church was faced with a difficult decision. So how did they come to the conclusion? Well, they assessed all the options and the possibilities, and they felt a sense that God was speaking to them. They said, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. See, this is a feeling that goes beyond a pros and cons list. This is a sense of purpose and a feeling of certainty. And we know this is one of the ways that God speaks to us. The Bible says that God gives us a supernatural peace that goes beyond understanding. It may not always make the most sense practically or logically, but if it's God, you just know. I'll give you an example. After my first year of Bible college, there was a large church from Washington State that came to my school and they advertised this summer job opportunity to the Bible college students here. So that was a possibility. And I thought it'd be a great opportunity, so I applied and I got offered the position. So that was a probability. But what I was missing was a sense of purpose. For as great of an opportunity as it was, I still didn't feel right about it. Later on, I got the opportunity to come on full-time at the church that I was already serving at. Now, this was a church, to be honest, I was planning on leaving anyways. And on my pros and cons list, I, I couldn't think of many reasons why I'd want to take that position. On paper, it made more sense to take the opportunity in Washington. But as I prayed about it more, I just kept feeling like I was called to stay. I had this sense of purpose. And the beautiful thing is that one decision laid the groundwork for me to be here at Broadway. If I hadn't made that decision, I guarantee you I wouldn't be here today. It's that same process that led me to join Broadway and why I know that I'm still called to be here. Moses had all three of these as well. Possibility, right? Someone had to free the Israelites from their slavery. God needed a leader, but not anyone could have done it. See, Moses was uniquely qualified to do this. It was a probability for him. Moses was raised as Egyptian royalty. He was taught by Egyptian educators. He knew his way around Egypt. He, he had a special connection to the Pharaoh. See, Moses was the most qualified person to lead the Israelites out of Egypt. But lastly, he had a purpose. Now, to be clear, Moses didn't necessarily want to do this. In fact, at first, he tried to get out of doing it. Purpose has less to do with excitement and more to do with peace. See, for Moses, there was no denying that God was calling him to do this. For as difficult as a task as it was, Moses knew that God wanted him to do it. And that brings purpose and certainty. So as you think about your future, analyze the opportunities through the lens of possibility, probability, and purpose, because your calling is where those three intersect. What possibilities are there out there? And out of those possibilities, which are probabilities? Which could you realistically do? And out of those opportunities, which of them brings you the most peace? Which of them brings you a sense of purpose, a sense of certainty, a sense of clarity? So how do you know if God's speaking to you and it's not just your own thoughts, right? How do I know if this sense of purpose that I feel is from God and not just my own excitement? Well, the reality is that we're not all going to get burning bush moments like Moses. That's not usually how God operates. So how can you distinguish God's thoughts from your thoughts? Well, Jesus once used the analogy of a shepherd to describe his relationship with us. He said the gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them and the sheep follow him because they know his voice but they'll never follow a stranger. In fact, they'll run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. 
See, we're the sheep in this situation and Jesus is the shepherd. And he's talking about how we know that we can trust in him. So how does a sheep know the difference between the shepherd guiding him and a thief trying to steal him? Jesus says it's because the sheep know his voice. Well, how? Because they've spent time with him. They've spent time with the shepherd because they've put their trust in the shepherd. See, the closer we are with God, the more time we spend with him, the more we grow in our knowledge of God and the clearer his voice becomes. Right? If I get a call from like an unknown number and I pick up and I hear this voice on the other end, they start talking to me, I'm going to have no idea who I'm talking to. But if my wife calls me and it's an unknown number and I hear her voice, I'm immediately going to know it's her because I recognize my wife's voice. And I only know her voice so well because I spend so much time talking to her and spending time with her. For many of us, we don't spend enough time with God, so we can't recognize his voice when he does talk to us. And to make matters worse, the time that we do spend with God is often filled with so many distractions. See, right now you can hear my voice and it's very clear. You can hear it. It's got a lot of clarity. You can hear everything that I'm saying. But if I were to pull up my phone and start playing some music, it becomes a lot harder to hear my voice. You can't really hear everything that I'm saying. But for many of us, we have even more distractions in life. See, it's not just the music playing in the background. Some of us have other distractions. We got work going on, and so we hear, trying to listen to God's voice, but it becomes harder the more that we throw in these distractions. You can't really hear everything that I'm saying. And to make matters even worse, some of us have noise blaring all the time. We're just constantly listening. We have so many distractions going on. You just can't hear my voice anymore because it's just constant, constant, Okay, enough of that. How can we possibly expect to hear and to recognize God's voice through all of the busyness in life? How can we possibly expect to get direction from God if we don't get away from the distractions and spend time with them? It's no wonder that God called Moses in the wilderness, in the stillness of the day. Not when Moses was surrounded by people or family or work. Moses was simply alone and undistracted. And this brings us full circle back to the first point of today. That God's not just interested in giving you a direction and setting you on your way. He wants to do life with you. So if we're not intentionally spending time with God, we can't expect to know where God is leading us. And this leads me to the final point of today. That God wants to lead you to your destination, not shout directions down at you. And in order to be led by God, we need to develop our relationship with God. And developing your relationship with God is the number one way of discovering God's calling in your life. So in what ways are you doing that? In what ways are you stripping away the distractions? In what ways are you prioritizing your time spent with God? In what ways are you intentionally listening for the voice of God? Because he's speaking, are you listening? And all of this leads me to today's big idea. God's desires are clear to those who desire God. Maybe you've been lacking direction in life. Maybe you need God to speak to you. Maybe you've got an opportunity before you that you're not sure if you should take. God is ready and willing to guide you along your path, but he's not gonna guide you from afar. He's not gonna shout directions down at you from heaven. He wants to do life with you. He wants to guide you one step at a time. He wants you to trust him with everything that you have, even if you can't see the final destination. God's desires are clear to those who desire God. 
and God wants to use you for great things. But if we try to exclude God from that picture, we will fail 10 times out of 10. I mean, can you imagine how spectacularly Moses would have failed if he tried to free the Israelites without God's help? In life, it's less about what you're doing and more about who you're doing it with. God's here. He wants to use you. He wants to guide you. Will you open yourself up for that? The Bible says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. God can do more in your life than you could ever imagine. Will you trust him with that today? As we close, I want to leave you with one final thought. You know, similar to Moses, there was another person in the Bible who had a pretty big calling on his life, Jesus. And even though Jesus knew the pain that he would have to endure on the cross, he still pursued God's calling on his life because he knew that it was his purpose. See, when Jesus died on the cross, he took the penalty for your sin, for my sin, for everyone's sin. We don't deserve this forgiveness. We can never earn this forgiveness. It's a gift that he gives freely. And if you've never made the decision to accept this gift of forgiveness, I want to give you that opportunity today. So if that's you and you want to accept Jesus' love and forgiveness into your life, I would just ask that you repeat these words after me. You don't have to say it out loud. Just say, God, I've messed up. I've sinned. I've gone my own way and I've done my own thing. I don't deserve your love. I can never earn your love. But today I choose to accept this gift of forgiveness that you offer me. I choose to turn away from my sin and I choose to follow you. I know I won't be perfect, but I know that I'm a child of God. Thank you for new life. Today I give you mine. Amen. If you made that decision today, my best advice for you is to text the number on the screen. There's a pastor on the other end of that phone number that wants to tell you what your next steps are in your faith. We want to come alongside you in your journey. So if you need prayer or any advice, we would love to respond to your messages to send a message through the text line. But thank you so much for joining us at Broadway Church Online today. Hope you have a great Sunday.